Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Timothy. Today is episode 676, and we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let's read our passage. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. This is Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul is in Philippi, and he has left Timothy in Ephesus. And Timothy's assignment is to deal with the false teachers that are there. Paul's sending this letter to reiterate his mission. I think he's also sending it there to be seen by the people in Ephesus to know what Paul's feelings on these things are, to give Timothy some extra weight and ammunition as he deals with these problems with the false teachers. Paul said the standard of teaching is the gospel. And the false teachers, they seem to be caught up in speculation of these myths and endless genealogies. He said they want to be teachers of the law. So they seem to be caught up in some Old Testament stuff. So there's probably some kind of Jewish flavor to it. And based on Paul's description, it's like they're finding some genealogy in the Old Testament and making up stories about the characters there. The problem is they're teaching things that are wrong. That's why we're calling them false teachers. He's been dealing with some church organizational things. He talked about leadership in the church, the overseers and the deacons, because you need good people and leadership in a church to keep the church on track, because false teaching can lead a church astray quickly. Now, chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. He says, Now the Spirit explicitly says. He doesn't say when the Spirit says this. He doesn't say whether this is some prophetic word that he received from the Holy Spirit just now, sometime past or somebody else has been told it. He doesn't explain how he knows this. He just says this is true. But he doesn't just say, and I heard a thing. He says it explicitly says. So he's saying pretty certain we know this is going to happen. And it's going to happen in the later times. Now, is later times the same as the last days? I think essentially. And the point is that everybody's always believed they're in the last days. And from an end times perspective, we often talk about the already not yet status of things that were already in the time of the kingdom of God, but not yet. And it all started when Jesus came and will finish when Jesus returns. So we're in this overlap period where the present age is still happening, but the age to come has already started. And so some people say that entire time from Jesus's first coming to his second coming is the last days, the latter days. And so the fact that Paul said this 2,000 years ago, yeah, we're still there. 
We're still in these latter days. And he says that in these latter times, some will depart from the faith. Well, back in chapter 1, verse 6, he said that some have departed from sound teaching. He's not saying exactly who these are, but I think everybody understands. I mean, Timothy definitely understands that people have departed from the faith. Now, the word gets translated as depart is the Greek word aphistomai, which is where we actually get the word apostasize. So you could translate this to say some will apostasize from the faith. And that's what the word apostasy means, basically, is rejecting the faith, falling away from the faith, denying the faith. That's apostasy. And it describes how it happens. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. That is pretty serious. He uses the phrase paying attention to. That's the same phrase he used back in chapter 1, verse 4, where he was talking about the false teachers. They're paying attention to these uh, other things. And so what he means is what they're focused on. And what they're focused on is actually coming from demons. It's a pretty serious charge, but it's true if you think about it. What he's saying is that these false teachers are under demonic influence. And what's Satan after? Well, he can't take God head on, but he can certainly attack God's church. A couple of strategies he uses to mess up churches, and we see it all the time. One is disunity, conflict in the church. So it's easy enough to stir up conflict in a church because we're sinful, fallen, selfish people, and we naturally fall into conflict. And if there's any conflict brewing, Satan is right there to throw gasoline on that fire and create an out-of-control conflict, which will derail a church quickly. Another is false teaching. That's more of a long-term derailing of a church, because once the church starts down the road of false teaching, as we said many times, that once you change the gospel, you have something that's not the gospel. And so if you get people proclaiming something that's not the gospel, you have absolutely derailed a church from its mission of proclaiming the gospel. If you have people trusting stuff that's not the gospel, you have people being led astray. And so false teaching is a big strategy of Satan. This is not some hyperbolic language he's saying here that, oh, these false teachers, they're they're under the influence of deceitful spirits. They're following the teachings of demons. That's exactly what's going on. Now, these false teachers probably sincerely believe that they're correct. But the challenge then comes back to what is the standard of truth? Well, for us, we say the Word of God is the standard of truth. And that's why back in chapter 1, Paul said the standard of truth is the gospel. And that comes out in the form of love. Now, the false teachers, they don't know they're being led by demons, and they don't know that what they're teaching is the teachings of demons, but that's exactly what's happening. This is why it's so important for churches to verify their teaching is correct, to make sure we've got well-grounded people doing the teaching, to make sure that the standard of teaching is the Word of God because false teaching will lead a church astray. 
He goes on to describe it in verse 2. He says, So they're paying attention to the deceitful spirits that teach them demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Yeah, pretty strong language here. Well, the false teachers are teaching falsehoods. So does that make them liars? Well, yeah, they're teaching things that are false. And their consciences are seared. And the image you get there is that they violated their conscience to the point that they no longer have operating consciences. Their conscience has basically been burned. These are people claiming to be Christian teachers, claiming to be teaching the truth of God, but they're not. And that's why he's calling them liars, saying there's hypocrisy. They're claiming to be Christian teachers, but they're not teaching Christian truth. They're following the teachings of demons. It describes the some of the specifics of their teaching in verse 3. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. So they forbid marriage. That doesn't sound very Jewish in nature, but it does sound similar to the problems that Paul was dealing with in Corinth. Because there they were, people were abandoning their marriages and saying that people didn't need to get married because they thought that they had already been resurrected, essentially, and they were above and beyond such fleshly things such as marriage. Now, this could be what's going on because in 2 Timothy, Paul's going to deal with somebody who's saying that the resurrection has already happened. So it's likely there's a similar kind of thought process going on here in Ephesus. That people are saying that they've already arrived, they've already been resurrected, they've already become perfect spiritually, and so there's no need for marriage anymore. And he doesn't define it any more than that, but that's probably a, a reasonable guess of what's going on. And demanding the abstinence from foods that God created, this almost sounds like, again, the Jewish influence that they're demanding adherence to the Jewish dietary rules. And it goes along with back in chapter 1, verse 7, where it says they want to be teachers of the law. He doesn't define it any more than this, but I think a reasonable understanding is they're saying that people must follow the, the Jewish dietary restrictions. And he counters that in verses 4 and 5. He says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it's sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. We know the Jewish dietary rules were set aside. Jesus did that in his own lifetime and during his ministry. Then we had the event with Peter right before he went to see Cornelius. And the gospel was received by Gentiles. So we know that the dietary restrictions of Judaism have been set aside. And all food is considered clean now. And that's what Paul's reiterating here, is that everything God created is good. Nothing to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. And here he's just saying that we need to be thankful for what God has done. This little curious way says in verse 5, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. Sanctified literally means made holy. And you can say, made holy by the word of God, in that God's the one who said, yes, this is acceptable. And he adds, by prayer. Uh, I don't think he means that prayer makes it holy. I think he's saying that 
basically our prayer is restating what God has already declared. So he's dealing here with the specifics of the false teachers that he has assigned Timothy to deal with. I mean, saying basically they're they're being led by Satan and his minions, that they're being led astray. And that's how seriously we must treat false teaching. It's not just that, oh, well, we'll just agree to disagree. It's what does God say? What has God said? What does the word of God say? And that must be our standard for teaching, our standard for doctrine in the church. Because a church that departs from good teaching is a church that's heading away from the gospel. As was said earlier, if you change the gospel, you have something that's not the gospel. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Timothy.